MoreLikeRadio.com. It's our duty to entertain you. <laughs> I said duty. Only alcohol can make life bearable. You must drink, always drink. I blame this all on Kevin, DMU. Has anyone ever known a good person named Kevin? We, we hung out with, with Kevin from Alcohol by Volume. He only says like three words. He, he's like really shy. He barely talked to me. Towards the end of the night when he was drinking more, man, he, he was he was right there with us talking a mile a minute. Alcohol by Volume? Oh, I'm actually kind of drunk. Alcohol by Volume, awesome show. You really want to get drunk? <laughs> Listen to that show because by hour two he's blitzed. I bet. Oh, it's awesome. Because it's a beer show. Kevin, some stupid his weird story. Polish last name. Yeah. <laughs> Where's your dedication there, Kevin? Your own show or someone else's? Alcohol by volume. Alcohol by volume. I shove alcohol in my butthole. That's not it. There's nothing to do with butthole. I mean, can you even get drunk anymore? It's kind of like a drinking a vitamin, right? So you're blaming the drunker. Yes, I'm blaming the MLR drunker, Kevin. Hello, bartender. I have thought it over, and far from being a fat pig, you are very nice. And I would like another drink. Take a barf, drunkie! Everybody, don't mind me as I open my second beer. Somehow I chugged through my first one, uh, just kind of sitting here. Don't know how that happened. Welcome to Alcohol by Volume. It's Tuesday, January 14th, 2014. Uh, if you want to Skype into the show, Alcohol by Volume, all one word, or you can call the phone number 862-345-7125. That's 862-ALCOHOL. And if you're listening live and you're not in the chat, go to uh, morelikeradio.com slash live and join in the live chat. Um, hmm. The one I just opened and uh, took a sip of, I'm strangely pleased with it. Um, I'll reveal what that is in a minute um, when I get into what I purchased this past weekend and last night and stuff. Um, yeah, I know. My, my, my brain's been broken for the past week, so I'm a little off. Um, let's see, this past weekend I got, I picked up a couple growlers. Ooh, excuse me. Thomas Creek Coffee Oatmeal Stout, which I've had before, but I really liked. And Yard's, uh, George Washington's Tavern Porter, which is supposedly based off a recipe that George Washington had for beer, so... Um, yeah, I know. Again, with the stouts and porters, it, it's still early in the year, and I, I, I tried to remedy that yesterday when I went out to the liquor store. So I went out to the place where I normally do my build of six packs, and pretty much with with the intention of picking beers that are completely out of my comfort zone, either that or something that I had specifically been looking for and had not yet had. Um, so. Let's see. Um, and it part of that part of that came from it, there was a thread on Reddit where somebody was talking about he wanted to find some more mild IPAs, which of course is more you know my kind of speed, if it, you know less bitterness and everything, you know more more approachable IPAs. That's kind of what I was looking for. And a lot of it was watching the IBUs in the beer and if you don't know what IBUs are it's international bitterness units you're you're you'll see it on a lot of beers out there now uh specifically the IPAs 
for instance, the one I'm drinking right now, which I will reveal in a moment, is 42 IBUs. And that's on the lower end of the scale. When you end up with like your really, really hoppy beers, you're you know getting up into 100 IBUs, stuff like that. Um, I know there was a espresso stout that I've had before that I was looking at, and I think that was something like 75 IBUs. But, well, okay, basically, the, the lower the IBU count, the more mellow the IPA in stouts and s- stuff like that. A higher IBU is okay because of the higher quantity of malt used balances it out. Stuff like that. Uh-oh. Marianne said wait in the chat. Now, now I'm worried. Yeah, Marianne, I'm actually drinking an IPA right now. It's a it's it's a lower IBU IPA, and it's actually not too bad. And I, I did I did have an IPA from some of the beers I got from Michigan too. Um and I'll actually I'll kind of get into that towards the end of the show because the particular one I had is returning and it's very highly sought after, blah blah blah. But yeah, so the ones I got, well, I'll start with the one that I'm actually drinking right now. Yes, I voluntarily bought IPAs because damn it, I'm I'm gonna figure this out. Like I said, getting out of my comfort zone, I'm gonna figure out some of these beers here. This one, I actually kind of like. It, it reminds me a little bit of Sierra Nevada's Pale Ale, maybe even a little bit more mellow. But it's Founders All Day IPA, and I don't know. I it, it's 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 not terribly offensive. Um, I'm happy having one bottle of it, but I probably wouldn't want, necessarily want a six pack of it yet. I'm kind of you know feeling my way through this stuff. Uh, the other ones I got, I got uh, Dogfish Head sixty minute IPA. Another one that on Reddit they said was a lot more approachable and is kind of a standard. Um, and, and when it initially came out. It was seen as really bold, and now it's really mild in terms of IPAs. And then I got Left Hand 400-Pound Monkey, which is technically an English IPA, which, again, has kind of a different flavor profile than regular IPAs. Just to show I didn't go completely off the deep end, only got three IPAs out of that six-pack. So, uh, oh, yeah, and I know that the chat on uh, Oxtail in the uh, chat, he's saying using the chat on his iPhone kind of sucks, but he's listening. Yeah, I've tried to use the chat on my um, Galaxy S2. <laughs> mobile mobile chat is just, it's kind of rough. Oh, Marianne says use Chrome in landscape mode. I'm going to have to remember that. So the other ones I got in that uh, build a six-pack, I got the uh, Hitachino Espresso Stout from Japan. I mentioned that on the show last week. And it was, it was one I had been meaning to pick up uh, just didn't realize I had been meaning to pick it up, I guess. It, it was one of those that I would always pass by and knew I wanted to get, but never actually got. And um, for one bottle, it was five ninety nine, so I'm you know 12-ounce bottle, so I'm hoping it's good. Uh, I, I've heard good things about Hitachino, though, especially from that article from last week where they're making their own beer there. Uh, also got Anchor's California Lager that I had been meaning to try. That I drank... Uh, right at the top of the show before I opened up my all-day IPA. And then uh, I got a bottle of Three Heads Loopy Oatmeal Red Ale. I typically am not into red ales that much, but I was curious about the oatmeal inclusion, so I figured, what the hell? Out of my comfort zone again with the red ale, but the oatmeal is something I'm more comfortable with, more familiar with, so see what happens with that. I actually have that one down here, so after I'm done with the Founders, I'll be cracking that open. 
And because of uh, both Marie, Marie from uh, Dutch and Royce and Hippo Juice, and Mary on Twitter, uh, hashtag Joe is sorry, I picked up a bottle of Delirium Nocturnum, a Belgian strong dark ale, highly rated on Beer Advocate, and not ridiculously expensive at $10 for a 750 milliliter bottle. Um, I haven't opened it yet, so I don't know. I'll admit I've actually been kind of falling out of love with regular Belgian ales as of late in favor of you know, stuff like the, the Flanders Reds and stuff like that. Um, the Belgian Lambics. It, it, that's Those are the Belgian beers I prefer these days. This one might snap me out of it. I'll see what happens. Um, Oxtail says, my beer store is much better than his Total Wine or Wegmans. And, you know, I always hear great things about Total Wine and I think, I want to say I've been to a Total Wine out here and it was, it was pretty good. Um, the build a six pack selection seemed to be kind of hit or miss. It's it almost seemed, I don't know, kind of disjointed. I I don't know. It, it was hard to figure out kind of what was what there. It didn't didn't seem as well organized. But like I said, I think that was a total one. I went to it. It may may not have been that at all. I don't know. It, not not anywhere near me though. I was on the way home from a shoot one night where I was just somewhere not near my home. Uh, but it, the the store I go to, it's uh, it's basically connected to uh, supermarkets, a shop right, uh, wines and spirits, and fantastic selection. I um, technically it's it, technically it's in uh, Byram, New Jersey. So if anybody in the Jersey area, check that one out. That it, fantastic, really really good, um, great six pack selection. They have a decent amount of stock in the cooler in terms of craft beer. Decent amount of stock in the cooler for your, you know, regular big beer. A lot of stuff on the shelf. Good selection of the build a six pack stuff. The only complaint I have with the build a six pack stuff is that it, it you don't see a lot of new rotation of stuff in there. You'll have you'll see your seasonals pop in and out, but otherwise it's pretty consistent as to what is on the shelves there. That's kind of it, it was kind of nice for me this time because I knew I'd be able to find the Founders, or I find the Founders All Day IPA, I'd be able to find um, like the California Lager and things like that. Um, and then one other thing I picked up this weekend that I'm probably actually going to be saving for my one year anniversary show, which will be on the 28th because I believe my first show was on January 27th last year. I found a Pinnacle Vodka sampler pack of the little vodka nips that I'll undoubtedly drink down for the show much to everybody's amusement and I'll try not to black out and piss all over myself the flavors in this variety pack got of course the original you know just plain old pinnacle vodka then you got whipped cream I've had that before it's good cake actually the rest of these I haven't had before cake salted caramel caramel apple peach berry cobbler pecan pie and red licorice when i saw this it was like 10 bucks and i was not going to pass it up because i never ever 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 see the pinnacle nips out here ever the only ones i ever see or rather the only vodkas i ever see in nips uh there's a small selection of uv out here uh and I, in fact, on the last vodka show, I know I had a few different UVs. It was like a blue raspberry. I had the uh, candy bar, which is really good. Chocolate cake, which is really good. 
And then the only other vodka brand I usually see is Smirnoff. And those are very, very basic flavors. Your strawberry, your lemon, your uh, raspberry, stuff like that. So seeing this Pinnacle Sampler Pack, I was not going to pass this up. So on, on the 28th, end of the month, I think I will be digging into those so I won't be uh, dipping into the beer, but I'll be probably getting drunk a lot quicker. So everybody, I think, will enjoy that. And I finally killed off almost all the cans of strawberry in my fridge that I bought. God knows when. What was that, November maybe? that I Yeah, you know what? It had to have been November because I was going to bring them out to Michigan for Thanksgiving and completely forgot to. So I have one left. That'll teach me to buy a case of those things again because it, it takes me too long to go through them. However, yesterday I also found a 25-ounce can of the seasonal Cran Burrita, and I couldn't resist. I figure that 25-ounce can, even though it's like 615 calories just for that one can, what the hell? Uh, better that than a whole case. So I, I wanted to try it. That was the first time I've seen the cranberry out here. Honestly, it was the first time I've seen a flavor other than the strawberry or the lime out here. So, gotta try it once. Even though I know uh, the last time I was drinking strawberry, I got a few weird looks on Twitter. But, eh, you know, it was it was in the fridge. I didn't have any beer left. Why not? Also, this is one thing that I find very, very exciting for me. I did not have my hopes set high for this, but it looks like sometime, uh, let's see, uh, well, pretty much sometime before the end of the month, I will likely be coming into possession of a bottle of Sam Adams Utopias. And when I do, you better believe I'll be cracking that open on video, upload to the MLR YouTube channel and all that, all that good stuff. But, um, Maybe I'll, you know what, maybe I'll uh, record myself uh, opening it live on the show too. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But I, I'm I'm very excited to have that. And that's that's one of those drinks where, I mean, you know, you take a little bit at a time in a snifter. Uh, you know, ounce, ounce and a half at a time. That's not going to be something I'm chugging down. <laughs> not even close. Make sure I save myself some for when the weather gets warmer. Have a little bit of Utopias in a glass. Have the Utopias cigar. And I'll have a fantastic day. Uh, so I will. Oh, I, I I cannot I cannot believe that I seem to have lucked out with that. Um, after I get it, I'll I'll reveal the means and everything. But <laughs> Oxtail in the chat says, "Bastard." Yes, I know. And I I have friends that have gotten the Utopias too, and I pretty much had the same reaction with them. And a um, a website that I came across. I've actually been chatting with the owners of it a bit, and it's a unique take, in my opinion, on the beer tasting and rating websites. I mean, you have your Untapped, which is it has a rating element to it and has the logging. You have your uh, Beer Advocate, which is more heavy on the rating side than it is the logging of beer side. Uh, rate beer, same thing. It's it's more on the review and rating of it, so people have an idea, you know. But it's always some kind of you know arbitrary number value and stuff like that. Well, this site brewkeep.com, they're they're still working out some of the bugs on the site. 
yesterday there was a point where the site was down a little bit and came back up and everything was good. But basically, the gist of the site is they'll taste the they taste the beers. The guys on the site they taste the beers. They match them with other similar beers to create a more accurate and well and consistent recommendations. So it's not you're not going from a tasting pool of you know thousands where you know I I could just as easily go on Beer Advocate and say you know oh you know uh, Lagunitas sucks is fucking awful oh my god. And it would bring down the overall number, you know, because everybody else on Beer Advocate probably says, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Oh my God, oh my God. These guys, it's a more consistent kind of thing. And obviously, if they have somebody in their crew, what I'm guessing, um, you know, they'd have a wide enough variety of palettes on the tasting crew so they don't exclude styles. They have somebody that doesn't like IPAs. You know what? They're not going to be tasting or making the recommendations for the similar beers. You have somebody that doesn't like stouts, same thing with that. I don't know this for 100% certain, but I'm gathering that is what they would be doing. So, and and with that, no user submissions on the site. Initially, I thought, oh, I, you know, I want to, you know, I want to be able to, you know, add a beer that I love on there and find out similar ones to that. But I can understand because they want to keep the consistency there. And if if they if you try if you try and start getting user submissions going in there. They can't verify the taste of the beer, and therefore they can't control the recommendation and things like that. I understand completely where they're coming from after, like some back and forth emails with them. Totally, totally understand where they're coming from, and I really like the idea of it. Plus, another thing on the site, which I believe they have factored into this, is, uh, and it, there's a little bug with it right now, but when you sign up on the page, and again, it's brewkeep.com. Uh, you can input your zip code too. Now, whether or not that ties in to availability of beers in your area, and then we'll you know kind of match it with recommendations. That I don't know yet because since my zip code starts with a zero, there's a little coding bug there that it did not like the zero, and basically instead of starting with zero seven, it started with seven. So. But they're aware of it, and they were happy that I reported it to them, and they're taking care of that. But they're doing a good job over there. Um, Again, check it out. The beer database, like I said, it's still very much in its infancy, especially because there's no user-generated content. But I think it makes for a cleaner experience, too. It'll, It'll be slower to progress, but I think in the end, it will continue to move along really nicely there. So just wanted to, you know, give a give a bit of a shout out to those guys because I I think they're doing good work over there. Uh, Wow, yammered on for almost half an hour. How the hell did I manage that? Um, So, okay, little little news stories here uh, before I get into get into one that really another one that really pissed me off. A story of nosy helicopter parents that can't keep their nose out of you know where I'm coming from with that I've had stories like that before but before I get into that got some other more you know easy to swallow stuff Uh, this one from the Tennessean limited whiskey sells for nearly $4,000 a bottle now that may not be a you know big deal in and of itself it's a Michter's Celebration Sour Mash Whiskey. The big difference with this one is that this is an American whiskey. 
ordinarily, I would say the more limited sought after ones tend to be, uh, I don't know, Irish whiskey. But uh, from the article here, a new whiskey created in Kentucky features a blend of age and scarcity that spiked demand and its price as a result. Whiskey fans, including celebrities and corporate chefs, although it says uh, corporate chiefs, I don't know. Is it corporate chiefs or corporate? No, I guess I'm sorry. I guess it would be corporate chiefs. I don't know why I thought it was corporate chefs. I can't fucking read. Are angling to snatch up limited stocks of Michter's Celebration Sour Mash Whiskey for nearly $4,000 a bottle. Shots won't come cheap either and expected $350 a pop. Um, further down in the article, let's see. Christian Navarro, president of Wally's Wine and Spirits in Los Angeles, plans to sell the product for $3,600 per bottle, more than he paid for his first car. Um, let's see. Uh, t- okay, here we go. Typically, prices for limited edition American whiskeys topped out at a few hundred dollars a bottle. That's what especially makes this one unique. Uh, Michter's does offer a 20-year-old bourbon that sells for 600 a bottle, a 25-year-old whiskey that retails for up to 700 that pales next to the select single malt scotches, cognacs, and brandies aged for decades, which can fetch which can fetch tens of thousands of dollars per bottle. Um, now I, I I understand you know a desire to get things like this. I mean, look at me, I'm I'm getting that Sam Adams Utopias, but uh, four thousand bucks. Well, first, first of all, my wife would kill me if I spent $4,000 on a bottle of whiskey. She is probably going to kill me after getting that Sam Adams Utopias, and that's only $200. Um, but I guess if you, have, if you have the money to spend on it, go for it. Um, I would... Oh, I mean, even, even a shot of it at $350, bucks, that's... Oh, it's, it's, it's rough. And... Obviously, I'm not the target market for this kind of stuff. I'm I'm more. I mean, hell, the um, was it the Jameson Black Label that you know feels expensive to me, and that was like a hundred something bucks. But again, I'm not the market for this. This is for you know the real you know aficionados of whiskey and everything. But uh, it's a big deal because it's an American whiskey. Uh, let's see what the next story I got. Uh, this one from one of uh, one of the breweries out in Colorado that I, I rather enjoy. Um, okay, yeah, Oxtail has a great point there. Nothing is worth $350 a shot. Get a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue for 250 There you go. And that'll last you a good long while longer. Um, but out of uh, Left Hand Brewing in Longmont, Colorado, okay, I, I don't really follow football. I at least know who Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos are, so I can you know, I thought this was a slick bit of promotion on Left Hand's part. Um, so the article, it's from uh, the Denver Post. And uh, Left Hand Brewing calls Audible <laughs> on Peyton Manning's Bud Light choice. Well, apparently in the last game that the Broncos played, uh, Peyton Manning in the post-game press conference, he mentioned that his beverage of choice was Bud Light. Now, coincidentally, or not coincidentally, who knows, Bud Light happens to be the official beer of the NFL. Was he put up to that? Maybe, maybe not. It's really hard to tell. But Left Hand wanted to kind of play off that and offer Peyton Manning a little something different. So, 
from Left Hand, they delivered a care package to Sports Authority Field at Mile High, three cases of Left Hand beer, and a polite note explaining the audible and wishing the quarterback good luck in the AFC Championship. The letter said, uh, Mr. Manning, just like you, we decided to call an audible and change the play at the line to provide you with some Colorado craft beer from Left Hand Brewery. We feel it's a better play call. We'll be cheering you on against the Patriots. Go Broncos. Cheers. The crew at Left Hand Brewing, Colorado. Or uh, uh, Longmont, Colorado. Um, let's see. Um, I thought there was somewhere else I was seeing. I, I, th- I think... Okay, yeah, uh, left-hand spokeswoman Emily Armstrong said the post-game interview got our minds turning. An idea was hatched to, li- to deliver the three cases of Polestar Pilsner, Sawtooth Ale, and Milk Stout Nitro to the stadium around noon Monday. She said security put the kibosh on the delivery photo, not an officially licensed NFL product, uh, but promised to deliver the beer. So I, I think I think it's good good promotion for left-hand at least, you know, um, Obviously, you know, Bud Light got themselves a free commercial from Peyton Manning right there, but I think, you know, left hand kind of piggybacked pretty well on that. Um, <laughs> this is one I actually, let's see, I, I picked this up, I want to say yesterday. <sighs> from BBC News, Drunk Woman Bites Car. The quote of the article came from the owner of the car. She sunk her teeth into the part of the car above the window. I could hear metal crunching. What the fuck are this, is this chick's teeth made out of? She's 26 and left teeth marks. Now, to be fair, it was a white Fiat 500, so it's probably not that difficult to bite into it. Um, and only caused 220 pounds of damage, which I... Doing quick conversion in my head. What is that? Maybe about four, five hundred dollars, something like that. So, uh, Rianne Jeremiah, twenty-six, left teeth marks. Blah blah blah. She'd been drinking at a memorial night for her late boyfriend Simon Jones, who drowned off the coast. Who? Um, Jeremiah of Cardigan uh, was given a twelve-month community order after being found guilty of criminal damage. Car owner Selena Day told the court she came up to the car and tried to rip the door open. I couldn't understand what she was saying. She was very drunk and was abusive. There was a bit of an argument, and she sunk her teeth in the part of the car above the window. I could hear metal crunching. I had never seen this lady before in my life. I don't know what I didn't know what she was talking about. Um, this woman's lawyer says. Uh, my client was the worst for drink that night. She was clearly upset. Well, yeah, I figure if you're biting cars, you're either upset or it's foreplay like that really creepy guy on my strange addiction. Uh, Jeremiah, who's unemployed, was, um, was told to attend 20 alcohol abuse help sessions. Uh, chairman of the bench, Professor Ian Rofe, told her, you have used alcohol inappropriately to deal with your issues. Now, I take issue with that because... I have issues, and I think I use alcohol very appropriately to deal with my issues. I'm doing it right now. Oh, and th- thank you for popping in, Oxdale. He says, checking the rest on uh, download tonight. Uh, and if you want to download the wonderful More Like Radio shows, check out morelikeradio.org. You can search through all the archives there. Every Every show, every little bit. Unless um, P Rock decides he doesn't want to upload it, and you know, then then maybe it's not there. Um, let's see. I got 
few more little mini stories here. Uh, this was uh, from Beer Pulse. Oscar Blues, they launched the Crowler, a growler-sized can. Now, I don't, I don't really understand the point of this. Um, it's a growler-sized can made with the help of the Ball Corporation. 32-ounce uh, ounce can filled with fresh craft beer. So basically, it's it's a large can that's just being freshly canned there. It's not reusable. Yes, it is at least recyclable. But um, basically, it, it's filled and seamed right at the bar. And I guess they're right now only doing this at the Tasty Weasel Tap Room in Colorado. Oscar Blues, they added a CO2 purge station to purge the cans before filling them. Helps assure there's no beer-degrading oxygen added to the beer. So, the Crowler... I, I, don't know, I, 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 I don't... I don't like that name. It sounds like you're taking a shit. That's what it sounds like to me, but maybe that's just me. The crowler is purged and immediately filled. The lid is applied. The crowler is placed onto the seamer pedestal. The pedestal is turned so the can is raised up and locked under pressure into the seamer. You turn it on. You push go. You turn it off. You twist the pedestal to lower the can, and you take it with you. Neat idea. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's made from... Um, aluminum that has was it like yeah 68% recycled content it's recyclable in it's own right uh, it really it just kind of seems gimmicky though because the point of a growler is to get like that tap fresh beer but not necessarily have to drink it all in one sitting with this you're drinking that 32 ounces all in one sitting now is that a problem no of course it's easy to drink 32 ounces in one sitting. I, I, I do that many a night. But I don't know. It seems kind. Of, it seems kind of gimmicky. It's really just a big can that's being sealed right there. Mm. Uh, this one I found kind of disgusting uh, from the Atlantic. Iceland's newest beer ingredient, and people are kind of pissed off about this, and I don't blame them. The newest beer ingredient is whale. Yes, yes, whale. Um, there is, uh, let's see, Iceland's whaling business has recently teamed up with a brewery to produce whale beer. And there is actually a, uh, image, I believe, of the label on the article. Let me post this in the chat here. I will give them this. It's kind of a, kind of a neat label, but, uh, what is this really going to impart to the beer? Anyway, um, uh, Havaler... Ugh, can't say these damn Icelandic words. The company managed by the Icelandic Ahab, Christian Lofsson, is providing whale meal, a byproduct of processing the animal's meat and oil, to Stioja Brewery to create a limited edition product tied to Iceland's annual midwinter, midwinter festival, Thorablot. The beer marketed as a drink for true Vikings will only be available from January 24th through February 22nd, 5.2% alcohol, supposedly healthy by virtue of containing whale, which is, according to the brewery, high in protein, low in fat. Um, and, of course, it's it's getting, you know, they're getting grief from conservationists, anti-whaling activists, um, the whale and dolphin conservation society's campaign managers have called the beer launch an attempt to diversify whale products in the face of almost non-existent local consumer demand. Yeah, yeah to be fair, was anybody really calling out for whale beer? Probably not. Um, apparently, a lot of these whaling ships even 
power themselves on whale oil, which is kind of perverse in my opinion. But um, The outcry probably won't stop tourists from rushing to sample whale steaks and sashimi at Reykjavik restaurants, even if whale beer doesn't taste very good. Um, and uh, apparently uh, some of the consensus is that it's not great. Uh, it yeah, they're saying it could be another item on a traveler's bucket list. Eh, yeah, it, I don't know. Meat in beer. I mean, even even if you look at your you know bacon beers stuff like that, it's not bacon. You know, it's it's the smoked beer like the rock beer. Yeah, it may taste like bacon, but it's not bacon. So you don't. I don't think you need to put whale meat into a beer. Just my opinion. I I I don't see the point. Um. Kind of flipping through the comments in here, but um, yeah, like somebody's saying, I've heard of pork being added to certain beers in Germany, but pork full wine is kind of like rotwurst and bloodwurst. It's foul and nasty, and the only people who like it are Depression era folks who grew up with no other choice but to eat it or die from hunger. Um, so it, that's. You know, okay, one one thing that is, I'd say, different is potentially uh, oyster beer, you know, um, like an oyster stout, things like that. And that's one thing I am making it a point to try this year, a genuine oyster stout that has been brewed with oysters in the brew or in the barrel or whatever. Um, that's one thing I haven't done before. And I know there are some oyster stouts, oyster ale, oyster beers, whatever, that are not necessarily brewed with oysters. But that that's one that's on, I guess, I'll you know, use their term. It's on my bucket list this year. Uh, and then one more little, little news item before I get into my uh, angry, angry, angry story. This is from uh, Chico, California. This is actually a bit of a happier and probably more environmental story, I'd say. Sierra Nevada recognized for near zero waste. So basically what that means, uh, the U.S. Zero Waste Business Council found Sierra Nevada had been successful in diverting 99.8% of its waste from the landfill, incineration, and the environment. So basically what they do, uh, they diverted 50, uh, over 51,000 tons from the landfill and, landfill and incineration, avoided almost 12,000 tons of greenhouse gases. They rebuild shipping pallets. They turn single-sided paper into scratch notepads. Uh, bottle cap boxes are reused to ship T-shirts. They compost their organic waste. And good for them. They could probably teach some other breweries a thing or two. I mean, we hear some of these environmental disaster stories. I mean, um, I don't know. You, you got to think that if Sierra Nevada can do it, other places can probably, you know, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. I I have I don't have words tonight. I can't fucking speak tonight. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with me. Need more beer, obviously. Okay, so this is the story that pissed me the fuck off today. Ran across this on Reddit uh, this past weekend, I think. Now. I'm not any big fan of high school sports, but the way things went down in this story just pissed me off so much. It's a case of one or two cunty helicopter parents and then a school not just telling them to shut the fuck up and 
leave things as they are. So, here's the story. Christian Berg coaches ousted after moonshine controversy. Basically, what happened in this story, and actually, you know what, I'll read from the article because I don't want to mess up the details here. Um, and I'll, you know, insert some of my, you know, opinions and take on the story here and there. Uh, the, um, let's see, the uh, Christianburg High School girls head basketball coach has resigned and his assistant coach has been fired after the assistant coach and his wife purchased a souvenir bottle of legal moonshine during a school-sponsored trip. Now, at first glance, you might think, Oh, why? You know, why were they? They were on a school-sponsored trip. What did they give this to the students? What? 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 Well, according to the article, the resignations are the result of what St. Clair called an investigation by school officials into complaints from parents. Again, the parents butting in that Hudson and his wife Missy purchased alcohol from a liquor store during the team's December 30th return trip from a three-game Carolina Invitational in Charleston, South Carolina. Now the parents are complaining that they purchased alcohol from a liquor store. Did they share it with the students? Or were they passing this moonshine around and everybody was getting drunk? Well, let, let, let's see. Let's go further in this article here and see if there's, there's reason for the outrage. St. Clair said he and Hudson each drove vans, one owned by St. Clair and the other owned by parents of one of the players that included all of the members of the team. The group from Christiansburg, which included Missy, Missy Hudson driving her personal vehicle, stopped at a shopping center before leaving South Carolina. While several team players got out to shop in a discount clothing store, Pete Hudson said he and his wife entered the liquor store, so they weren't even with the players when this happened. To buy moonshine, popularized by a cable television program and sold legally in South Carolina. We went in to purchase Tim Smith's moonshine that we saw on the TV show Moonshiners as a souvenir or novelty or whatever you want to call it. We left the store. We went straight from the store to her trunk, which the girls were not riding in. That's some bad uh, bad speech there. They're basically saying the girls were not riding in the car, not that they were not in the trunk. While we were in there, Dallas was supervising the girls in the two vans. At no time were they ever in harm's way. They did not see the moonshine. They did not come in contact with it. Team Captain Tara McCoy said St. Clair never got out of the van he was driving, and the alcohol was never in the presence of the players. When they came out, they put it in his wife's car with Dallas's wife, McCoy said. They drove separately behind us the whole time because they knew, of course, they can't have alcohol in the car with athletes. They did no harm. They didn't drink. We didn't drink, and alcohol was not in our cars. So, these parents are pissed off that two able, illegally, completely legally able to drink adults went into a liquor store to purchase not not just you know oh I need to get some vodka no they this was a souvenir basically they they were. That was the purpose of it. They were getting it because it was a souvenir. It wasn't that they just needed to go get their fucking drink on. No, 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 no. Um, McCoy said the players were aware that a stop was being made to buy the moonshine. They told us about it as we were driving to the place. St. Clair was talking to all of us about the show Moonshiners. Hudson wanted to get some moonshine because some character on the show lives in Virginia. It's a show on TV. No, you know, 
nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, it's not my kind of show, but that's fine. Pete Hudson said the girls riding the van that he drove were curious about the purchase. When I got back in the van, some of them said, what'd you do, go buy moonshine? Hudson said, I said, yes. I don't lie to my girls. I'm honest. I'm an open book. It'd be different if we went and flaunted it, showed it. We were actually in the store less time than the girls went in the 98-cent apparel shop. 98-cent apparel shop? That um, doesn't sound like very well-crafted clothing to me. But hmm. um, and th- this, is, this is what gets me. The fact that they fired the assistant coach and made the head coach resign. If, if he hadn't resigned, they would have fired him anyway. And they're jumping at the code of conduct. The code of ethics in the Montgomery County Public School Coaches Handbook, now pay attention to this, covers the use of alcohol by coaches and includes a general reference to coaches' conduct. Item 9 of the code reads, while supervising students set a good example of conduct by refraining from using tobacco products, alcohol, or inappropriate language while at and away from school and by acting in a professional manner. In what fucking universe were they acting unprofessionally in what they did? They were not they were not using the product. You know, I, I get the feeling that these are the kind of parents that if God forbid say say one of these coaches had, you know, um a, a severe back injury or something and they needed to get, take painkillers. And while they were out on a you know team road trip or something, oh, you know what? I have to pick up my prescription, you know, from the pharmacy here. Um, you know, you watch the girls. I'm gonna go get my prescription. Oh my god, he went and bought narcotics in that store. Oh. I could see that. I could honestly see these fucking parents doing that because it's really no different. Really no different. You know. It's not, and if he bought, you know, hey, we want some Percocet. He didn't flaunt the moonshine. Nothing like that. Um, and Hudson said neither he nor St. Clair used alcohol during the South Carolina trip. McCoy said she and her teammates became aware of a problem January 3rd when St. Clair sent her a text message stating that Christian Berg's scheduled home game that night against Cave Spring had been postponed. See, the school couldn't even be fucking humans about this and tell the team what was going on. I was like, there's not supposed to be a storm or anything, McCoy said. For him to cancel practice, something was up. I called him, and he said, I'm not allowed to talk to you guys, but it has something to do with the trip. I'm not allowed to have any contact with you. Uh, Christian Berg's players must complete the season following the coaching change. Um, Yeah, the... Ugh. Christian Berg promoted junior varsity coach Shelly Pearson to the varsity head coaching position. The Blue Demons played a game Wednesday night under Pearson's direction. Tim Cromer, who is also Christian Berg's head football coach, is now coaching the junior varsity girls basketball team. Yeah, because you want a head football coach coaching the JV girls basketball team. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, the last bit in the article, um, the uh, team captain, a lot, of, a lot of us are upset this had to happen. We don't think this was a big deal. Honestly, I think this all has been blown way out of proportion. And that's exactly how I see it. I don't understand. It. And, the, and the fact that the school could, the school couldn't, excuse me for using the term, the school couldn't man up repeatedly, repeatedly. First of all, you, you fire the assistant coach, 
you force the head coach to resign if he, or, you know, otherwise you're going to fire him anyway. You don't even tell the team what's going on. It, it, it screams of, you know, cover up, you know, maybe, you know, powerful parents in the district, you know, oh, we, we, don't like this, and because we don't like this, you better do what we say. Just it, all of it was handled amazingly poorly. Think back on that one story where they had the beer brewing class in that school, and you know fermentation and everything. It's it's biology. They were all being monitored. I mean, it was educational. But you had one parent that like, what? What are you teaching to my daughter? Oh my god, ah, rape! Well, maybe not rape, but you know. They would act like it was, basically. Ugh. It, it makes me fear for the day when my kid is in school and some fucking nosy parent climbs in and starts trying to mess with the curic- yeah, curriculum and everything. I don't know. Uh, I'm just hearing doors moving around behind me. Uh, but, see, I, I'm going to be one of those parents that, like, oh, okay, cool. You know, I'm n- not offended by it. And I'm probably going to get pissed off the other parents pretty frequently. And of course, you know, if you have a teacher that's going to be like that, I- I'm going to be the parent that is sitting there trying to stifle a laugh in the parent-teacher conference while my wife is punching me in the shoulder telling me not to laugh because it's not funny. And I'll think, hey, it's pretty damn funny. So there's that story. Um, let me see. i got like a little bit of time before break. Um, seeing what I got here. Decent amount of stuff here. Um... You know, I guess I'll, I'll hit this one up before the break. Um, DC Brow Brewing, I got this um, off of NPR. If you remember, one of the beers that I sent to Mitch when I was doing the beer trade, it was uh, Dogfish Heads Red and White. Similar concept to what they're talking about here. DC Brow, they're getting into the beer and wine hybrid kind of mix there. Now, if it's done right, it can be really good. I've, I've had stuff like that. I know, um, I think, I'm trying to remember... Uh, Dogfish Head Kvasser isn't totally like that. It was more of like a grog kind of thing. Oh, excuse me. But the the red and white from Dogfish Head that I sent to Mitch, that's a Belgian-style wheat beer fermented with um, Pinot Noir juice. So you have that kind of hybrid thing going on there. Well, DC Browse, it's actually a porter with Bordeaux in it, basically, more or less. Um, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give you the details here. Uh, it's a collaboration between Sebastian Zutant, owner of the Red Hen Restaurant in D.C., also a sommelier. And if you don't know what a sommelier is, well, it's a it's a wine expert. It's kind of like a uh, Cicerone in beer. You know, beer expert. Well, you got your wine expert, your sommelier, and his friend Jeff Hancock of D.C. Brow. Zutant says it really has distinct red wine characteristics as well as beer ones. Also has rustic notes that Zutant described as pruny, like prunes, and almost like dried cranberry. Now, it was made, like I said, uh, how it's a mix between a porter and a Bordeaux. It's not purely adding the Bordeaux into that. It's made using leftover lees from a couple of Virginia vineyards, uh, 
Linden and RDV. Now, if you don't remember what Lees are, I mentioned it previous shows when I talk about wine. That's the sediment that falls to the bottom of the tank during winemaking. It's like the grape skin, uh, seed fragments, dead yeast cells, stuff like that. Very, very rich in tannins. And there, there are beers that have lees as well. You, you'll, you'll hear about certain beers that are, you know, brewed on lees. Uh, I know I've mentioned those before too. I can't think of anything offhand, mind you. But the lees and the beer they age together in the wine barrel, and the tannins then end up getting pulled into the beer. Now, the reaction's been mostly positive, even among wine drinkers. Now, that's that's kind of different. Uh, there was one person in the article. Let me see if I can find that. Because um, a guy uh, brought his uh, wife there and wanted to... Uh, a wine drinker. Yeah, okay. Um, let's see. When John Voorhees and Alicia, Alicia Boyce sat down to dinner at the Red Hen a few weeks back, they were intrigued. You like wine and I like beer, said John Voorhees, talking to his wife, so this could be it. Something to satisfy both of them. And after tasting it, Voorhees proclaimed, I'm sold. Alicia was still warming up to the drink after her first sip. It's good, she said hesitantly. It's different. Now, that can be one of two things. She's trying to be polite, or she is warming up to it. Um... Zutant said the reaction's been overwhelmingly positive. It was definitely a crapshoot. We rolled the dice and it seemed to work out nicely. Now, you could almost kind of think of this as a darker fruit beer in a way, but where most fruit beers have uh, kind of a, I don't know, kind of a more of a tartness and I'm going to use a technical term here, more like a zing, you get like that effervescence out of some fruit beers. You could see this as a darker one. Um, I mean, like the the non lambic fruit beers, they're they're a lot lighter, and usually like wheat beer stuff like that, um, and even like the Dogfish had red and white. That was a Belgian style wheat beer. This one's obviously a porter, so it's going to be more robust in flavor. So you don't want those fruit flavors necessarily to be overwhelmed. You're not gonna you're not gonna take a porter and treat the fruit the same way you would in a raspberry wheat. So that's why with the lees and the tannins and everything, you're really, really, really getting that fruit strength out of it. Um, I want to dip more into wine this year. I, I keep saying I'm going to do it. Uh, it's January. It's still early. Um, I'm hoping to see more of these hybrids because I think that would really help me bridge the gap more too. I need to pick up red and white for myself just to really see the hybrid in that. Um, I didn't see it at the store last night. Otherwise, I'd have grabbed it. There's another Dogfish Head uh, hybrid there too, uh, 61, made with grape must. I honestly don't remember if I've ever had that one before, but I did see it in the store yesterday. And then there was another one. Um, damn it. I'm forgetting what it was, but it was, it was another one um, that was a uh, larger bottle. It was like a, a 700, or no, I'm sorry. Um, it was like a, a 22 ounce bottle. Ah. <sighs> I'm completely blanking on the name of it now. Uh, uh, Noble Rot. Dogfish Head Noble Rot. I can't remember if I've had that one before, but I think that one is similar to the 61 because I think it has like um, some kind of grape element to it. But uh, th- those those I want to try. Um, maybe, yeah, maybe I'll pick those up for next week. Well, I'll, I may not, uh, may not actually have a show next week, but I, I'll explain that a little bit later. Uh... I guess with that, I, I'm I'm probably 
I'm starting. I feel like I'm starting to do the pee pee dance, so I should probably uh, get myself ready for break here. Uh, so after the break, of course, you know one one, one of our favorite things here. I, I have I have a study, and it, it's uh, well, it's kind of an obvious study. It kind of it kind of rolls into some of the recent studies I've been going into. Uh, another one from NPR where you can turn a leftover liquor into a liqueur. Now, for those of you that maybe had holiday parties and everything, you may have a lot of, you know, half-full liquor bottles that you're not quite sure what to do with, things like that. There were actually some neat ideas in here. Uh, a few other things I may get into, if uh, time permitting, and probably will, because I'm always, I'm always paranoid about material. Always paranoid about material. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me, but... Then of course the new releases and reveals for the week, um, and you know I, I might as well, uh, I'll mention uh, there may not be a new show next week. It depends if I get a chance to pre-record. I have a video gig in Pennsylvania uh, that Tuesday that starts at four. There's no way I'm going to be back in time for a live show, so uh, I'll figure that out. And uh, if anything, it'll have a shitload of material for the anniversary show. Of course, I probably won't need half of it because I'll be tanked off my ass on vodka. <sighs> but I will be back after this break here. Alcohol by volume on More Like Radio. Alcohol by Cheers. volume, Kevin oh, Show. Hey, it's hey. the name of the show. Hey, More Like Radio, less like crap. Many of us grew up reading the works of Jules Verne and books like Treasure Island, great classic fantasy novels. I love reading fantasy, but most of the fantasy novels released today read like a role-playing game. I'm interested in characters and stories when reading fantasy novels, and I found a fantasy novel written with the story and the characters as the focus. The book is titled Daughter of Vengeance, and the author is David Timrick. David Timrick is a self-published author who has written several books, and they are all top-rated on Amazon. Daughter of Vengeance is a story about a young lady who's thrust into a world of espionage, betrayal, and murder. A survivor at heart, she befriends a master assassin who takes her as his apprentice. After years of training and careful planning, she begins her life as one of the king's many spies. Unknown to her, a plot has slowly been unraveling, which will not only destroy the fragile peace of the kingdom, but could descend the world into chaos and war. Can Michelle rise above the shortcomings and failures of her predecessors and set right the wrongs done centuries before? And will her life be the ultimate price she pays for the sins of others? You'll have to read Daughter of Vengeance by David Timrick to find out. So visit his website, davidtimrick.com, to buy your copy today. David Timrick, T-E-M-R-I-C-K, davidtimrick.com. Daughter of Vengeance is available on Kindle and in paperback. Listen to Unsigned Hype every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, on morelikeradio.com. It's hosted by Sir Darkside, a.k.a. at Darkside Rules on Twitter. Check out the show for dope interviews, exclusive releases from artists such as Brother Ali, Mally, Kelly Mays, Lex Leosis, MOA, and Aesop Rock. It doesn't get better than this every Tuesday night on morelikeradio.com. It's the Unsigned Hype. Unsigned Hype. Wednesday night at 11 p.m., tune into More Like Radio for two hours of wrestling talk on Markout Radio. 
with Dark Fox and Friends. Fistful of assholes! Excuse me? Fistful of assholes? Really? You want me to say that? Just do the bit. <sighs> All right, you're such a diva now that you have your own show. With guest host Punchy, Greenway, and whoever else shows up on Skype. Or in Fox's creepy basement studio. The smell of cum and beer doesn't make it creepy. Maybe not, but the fleshlight does. Listen, I have a healthy sexual appetite. Thank you very much. What are the anal beads for? Can you just do the bit? Ugh, fine. Jesus, and you wonder why people get Marianne to do the audio bits. Markout Radio live every Wednesday night from 11 p.m. Eastern on More Like Radio. This is it, the Hey, are you absolute garbage? Let me guess, an alcoholic? A drug addict? When was the last time you were even out of your house? Well, why don't you join us for the Red Show? We're all about personal betterment and self-esteem. I want to do, uh, you know, maybe like uh, City Meets the Swamp something. Something. I hope it ends up with the fucking city getting eaten by a goddamn alligator. Ambassadors of peace at any income level. That's what we do here. We're all about olive branches. <laughs> no, you're a fucking white trash asshole. You're about olive fucking garden, okay? <laughs> One thing we don't forget is how important our fans are. Is there anything more you want to say about any of these uh, cocksuckers that are listening? No, I don't think so. Okay. And we recognize the struggles and hardships of our friends. We don't give a fuck. I hope you relapsed. Burn in hell, bull. Oh, my God. God, what are you I meant I love you, bro. Get better. So come join us live Wednesday nights and experience functional substance abuse on The Red Show. Only on More Like Radio. You're doing some things with Enya, correct? I I hope you end your life. Now get off the the microphone while I talk to my pal. Wait, why is that guy gargling? This is your morning wake-up call. Get up. It's how I get my morning started. They're my morning show. All right, here's a little inside info. They're not even real listeners. These are stage people, and you hear the same thing across the entire country. And that's why Hammy, Hammy, the true American, is going to serve his country and expose these hack shows for what they are. Only on Brainstein Radio. Friday nights, 8 to 10 on morelikeradio.com. Talk Radio Meltdown. He just wrote a song, put it on an album. The album came out, went to number one, and a few weeks later, he's like, oh yeah, by the way, um, I'm gay, and uh, if you want to know why, listen to this particular track. Oh, so everyone did, and they, they found out. It's like, oh, the song's apparently about how much he wants to fuck a dude. Okay. that That's, that's logical. <laughs> well, with the verse like, I want a dick up my ass repeatedly with balls touching my bum. Is that really the lyric? I'm not familiar with this band. (laughs) Talk Radio Meltdown every Friday from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern on morelikeradio.com. Are you a fan of comics? What about obscure movies and TV shows? Well then, you are in luck because every Friday, Nerd Hour is here to talk about those completely and utterly awesome things. So join Punchy, Ariel, and now Cornax as we talk the things that people claim prevent you from getting laid, but are balls anyway. The Nerd Hour, every Friday night from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. only on More Like Radio. Spoon! On this episode of the daytime drama Conti and Kenny, Conti shows compassion for Kenny's flailing comedy career. There's, especially in this area where we are, the Northeast, there's 10,000 people that want to be comics that sort of do it here and there. Or they wanted to. Not, don't look at my schedule. 
No, I wasn't putting you in that group. I've been doing it 10 years. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not uh, Right now, I'm in a little... Not in a row. I'm, I'm <laughs> 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 yeah, you jerk off. The Conti and Kenny Show.com. If you weren't able to catch the last Hippo Juice show, here's what you probably missed. I would rather go one mile down the road than inconvenience men behind me. Mm-hmm. In my mouth, with my tongue, and testicles. Oh. The official statement is fag! Zach, um, uh, um, as far as your routine goes, um, how... You know, because do you ever, like, do, like, with, uh... Listen to the Hippo Juice Show live every Wednesday night, 7 to 9 p.m. on morelikeradio.com. High Society Radio is now part of morelikeradio.com. Who's all part of the more like the uh, more like radio cavalcade of stars? Oh, who, who are you joining there? Oh, well, Hippo Juice, they're the the soul behind More right. Like Radio. And we're, we're jumping on there. High Society Radio, that is. What other what other kind of shows are over there, though? Oh, there's there's plenty. There's a there's just a roster that's ridiculous. There's 360 on 420. Mm-hmm. There's a gentleman show. There's Ain't Social Gamer Radio. There's the Red Show. There's Daytime Divas. Okay, so you're not out there by your by yourself in the cold anymore. No, you're fucking with a family. Yeah, a real family, a family of gangsters. Take the edge off. MoreLikeRadio.com It's like rap music you can understand. Damn, it feels good to be a gangster. Hey, this is Will from Tattoos and Touchdowns. And Espo as always. Check us out every Sunday from 10 a.m. to noon exclusively on MoreLikeRadio.com If you're ready for pro wrestling like it's never been seen before, pro wrestling meant for an adult audience, and pro wrestling where nobody says brother or tells you you can't see them, check out Combat Zone Wrestling, the most innovative, high-flying, hard-hitting, ultra-violent promotion on the planet today. Combat Zone Wrestling. Visit us at www.czwrestling.com. The Elvis and Albert Show, Thursdays, morelikeradio.com, 5 to 7. I'm Elvis Cage. I'm Alfred. I'm Jameson. And on the phone? It's Bill. I'm phoning it in. Always phoning it in. <laughs> Coming to you live from the Halfpenny Pub of Sayville. That's right. Punk rock music, independent music, and all the rest of the things that we speak about. Crazy what about the party stuff. <laughs> Here on morelikeradio.com. And elvisandalfred.com, 24-7. Yeah! The Elvis and Alfred Show. Hi, guys. We here at Lust and Love are reaching out to our fans to help us rename the show. Help us think of a creative name, and not only will you get bragging rights for coming up with the new name, you'll also win a $25 Google Play gift card. Tweet your ideas to at morelikebombsy, at morelikekitty, at darkfox001, or at Lust and Love Radio. Contest ends January 20th. A ton of lineup stronger than Owen Hart's safety harness. Morelikeradio.com. Other internet radio stations are gay. Murder scenes. Locations of murders. Mm, pub crawl themed. Yeah, but why, why can't you just do underground stations? It lacks the personal touch. We're going to go for a drink in every, every street, street where, where we you found a corpse. Delightful. 
Why do I come in? Don't want to get ill. That would ruin it, spoil the mood. You're a graduate chemist. Can't you just work it out? I like the practical experience. Meaning you think I like a drink? Occasionally. That I'm a drunk? No. No. You look... well. I am. How's... Tom? Not a sociopath. Still good. And we're having quite a lot of sex. Okay. I want you to calculate John's ideal intake and mine to remain in the sweet spot the whole evening. Light-headed. Good. Urinating in wardrobes. Bad. Hmm. Two, uh, beers, please. Pint. 443.7 millilitres. And welcome back to Alcohol by Volume here on More Like Radio. If you want to Skype in, Alcohol by Volume, all one word. Phone number is 862-345-7125. Easy way to remember, 862-ALCOHOL. So if you can spell by this point tonight uh, this many drinks in, you'll be good. Uh, over the break, um, I cracked open my third bottle of beer that I got down here. It's uh, from Three Heads Brewing. It's their Loopy Oatmeal Red Ale. And like I mentioned, I'm not, I'm not that big into red ales normally. Getting out of my comfort zone. I obviously need to keep track of my beers better and log them better. Because when I logged it into Untapped, and if you want to friend me on Untapped, uh, I'm alcohol by volume on there. Um, I had apparently had it before. Didn't remember that I had it before. And uh, judging by my rating, I wasn't really that impressed with it before. <laughs> so, yeah. But um, I think I gave it like a, a two stars out of five last time. Uh, this time, I don't know. I, I thought I felt the two was a little harsh. Uh, so I, I jacked it up to either like a um, 2.5 or a three. Now, this one, obviously, uh, this, this, is, this is higher in the IBUs. This is a 64 IBU. And let's see, what the hell was the, uh, what was the Founders? Founders was 42, so obviously this one is more bitter. Not necessarily my thing, but it's okay. And I'm drinking it. Um, it, 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 there's actually, there's, there's more maltiness to it than I expected. So, I, I, even even just seeing the rating, I have no idea when I had it last. Um, damn, I wish there was a way for me to look on Untapped to see when the hell I had it before, but I don't think I can. Um, but I'm curious as to when I had it, because obviously my palate must have evolved somewhat because I don't find it as offensive as I did before. I don't know. But... Uh, one one means that I have at my disposal of tracking my beers and g- keeping me from forgetting what I've had. And again, I, I, I go through spurts with it. I, I get lax in adding stuff and then I add a bunch of stuff in a heap. Is the ABV beer tasting list, which is at tinyurl.com slash ABV beer tasting. Open spreadsheet. If you want to add your beers in there, you'll you'll see how it works out. There are columns there where you can put your name at the top. You can give your ratings. You know, say how much how much you paid for it, what the alcohol content is, the link to the beer on Beer Advocate, and basically just tell us what you thought about it. And you know, a number rating, of course, always number ratings. Uh, 
from one to five or a zero if you really think it's that bad. You know, something like, I don't know, the the rogue peanut butter, chocolate peanut butter, banana, ale. <laughs> Saw a bottle of that yesterday when I was in the store and I, you know, kind of involuntarily shuddered. Oh, that... That 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 was that was one of the downers of 2013. That was one of the downers. But eh, what are you gonna do? You, you you don't know until you try them, and that's why that's why I'm trying to be different with this stuff. Uh, I try and go on other suggestions. I I know I'm not gonna love every type of beer, but I'm not I'm not gonna know until I try. Well, every kind of beer, really. I mean. Eat, for for as for as much as I talk about beer and as much as I sound like I know shit about beer, half the time I'll, I'll forget. You know, well, you know, is is there stuff I like about a triple? Is there stuff I like about a double? You know, wh- what about an American double versus you know a Belgian double, uh, a quadruple? You know, I'm like I'm trying to remember the properties of each one and which one I like, and a lot of those. I typically find in the you know the larger bottles, and I don't necessarily want to shell out if I'm not sure. And again, that's that's where a lot of the build a six pack comes into play. Um, in fact, the, the um, shit, what was the name of it? The, the one that Mary and uh, Marie had mentioned on Twitter. The damn it, forgetting the name. Oh, Delirium Nocturnum. That one. I think uh, there was another delirium beer and I'm completely blanking on the name of it. I think I might be able to see it on Twitter here. Uh Tremens. They actually had a smaller bottle of Tremens in the build a six pack selection. And I think it was maybe like 4.99 for that one bottle and I'm like, you know what? Shit, you know, just I I I, I basically called myself a pussy and said, just get the big bottle. It's only 10 bucks. Why not? If you don't like it, you don't like it. You're not going to know. I mean, and to put that bottle in my six-pack, it would have meant that one of the ones I got, either one of the IPAs or this Oatmeal Red Ale or the California Lager, I wouldn't have gotten. And I think it probably would have been the California Lager that would have been the odd one out. And I'm glad that it wasn't because when I had that earlier, it was actually really quite good. I, I don't have loggers all that often, and I probably should have them more often because they're they're pretty tasty. I know I'm rambling. Hey, J Five in the chat. I hope you're feeling better, sir, because I know uh, he was sick as a dog last week. Um, but yeah, so uh, I, I I'm using I'm using the beer tasting list not only as a means for the ABV community to kind of get an idea of what's going on with stuff, but just for me to keep an eye on what the hell I'm drinking and what I actually do like and what I don't like. And I know with, with, um, with, um, brewkeep.com, I think that may also help being a means of tracking certain stuff, especially in suggesting other stuff that I might like, you know, Obviously, I stick to my stouts and porters and all that other shit. But just because, you know, okay, I like this stout. Well, a recommendation of another beer does not necessarily have to be a stout. It could be something that has a similar kind of feel, similar flavor profile, but is a different kind of beer. Kind of see where I'm going there, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Um, 
but let me get on to the rest of the rest of the news bits here. This was a study that was posted on Yahoo News uh, just by the beginning of the month, January 8th. Ties in to a lot of the studies I've been going where um, beer drinking or just in general alcohol drinking, people living longer because they're more social. It, it, all, it all spreads from that drinking equals social. Now, obviously, me a little bit different than that. I have more of a tendency to drink myself into a stupor and stay in for the night. You know, I, you know, drink one beer too many, turn myself into a depressive mess and go to bed at eight o'clock. But, you know, that, that happens to all of us, right? I think. Probably. I don't know. But this study, and you can probably, you know, say this is extremely obvious and why the hell did they waste money on this teenagers who drink have more friends Uh, the first line of the article okay middle and high school students who drink alcohol are often the same ones winning the popularity contest new research suggests now did they really need research for this? The problem I have with this, without even getting into further bits of this article, these middle and high school students... Drinking in middle school? Shit. I, I, well, then I was kind of young in high school. I, I, I graduated at 16 and I started drinking at 15, so... Um, otherwise, I guess I would have been close to middle school. Uh, but... It, these middle and high school students that are drinking alcohol, they're likely the ones already at those sort of parties that only the popular people get invited to. So it's kind of a false causal relationship again there. The popular kids, they're already popular, thus have more friends, or at least the appearance of more friends, whether or not they have genuine friends, that's for another conversation, but they have more avenues in which to drink. Um, drinking doesn't necessarily make you popular. If it did, I would have been more popular in my last two years in high school. And, you know, if it did, I'd probably be like Chris fucking Hemsworth or something like that. But you got to think, these popular kids, you know, more avenues in which to drink. Because they're popular, they may be able to get away with a little bit more. They... Um, may potentially, I don't know, I, I always found the popular kids had more of a tendency to come from money. And if you're coming from money, there is probably more of a chance that your parents are not, a, maybe not as attentive or they will let you slide on a lot more things. I know it's, it's a broad generalization, but I'm just thinking about a lot of the people I went to high school with personally. And they'll let them slide on things. I mean, they'll they'll let them have the parties at the house. You know, oh, they're out of town, you know, and party at the house and everything. Again, I was not invited to those kind of parties, but that's just me. Um, yeah, I, 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 I didn't start drinking until my sophomore year of high school. Like I said, actually, was this? No, I'm sorry. It was junior. Not, it was junior year. I was 15 in junior year. And those weren't the popular parties I was going to. It was more like the Island of Misfit Toys, basically. I mean, the very first party, like, 
true party that I remember going to. It was at a house where I believe three different people were living, and I ended up actually uh, dating the uh, one of the girls that lived there for maybe about almost like a year after that. I was 15. She was 19. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Believe me, it wasn't really that impressive. Um, coincidentally, the uh, girl I lost my virginity to also. <laughs> um, but it's the first party I remember going to, and it was basically a bunch of people from a uh, local, like, uh, BBS, and for those of you that don't remember those, the bulletin board systems, you know, dial-up modems and everything, um, it, it was actually it, it was an it was an ISP, it was an internet service provider at the time, but it was a local one that actually you know had its own local like chat room, message board, stuff like that, and you could actually also connect into the internet with that. I mean, it, early early days of this kind of stuff. But it was a party that had a bunch of those people there. And believe me, we we were we were a bunch of misfits. Even even the people that I guess you could say this is gonna sound so weird, but even even like the the stunningly attractive people there were still misfits in some way, shape, or form. Um I guess you could say we were all kind of damaged, but yeah, it it was not it was not the popular party. I don't know where I, I don't know where the hell I'm going with this. This is like a kind of therapy here. What the hell? Um, oh, and back into the chat. Uh, Oxy also has to try Beer Buddy by Rate Beer. Allows you to scan the bar. Oh, you know what? Allows you to scan the barcode of the beer and log it. Damn it! You know I I used to have Rate Beer on my phone. And I know I would be able to scan beers in there, but I didn't, I was not aware of Beer Buddy, and <laughs> Marianne, quick, all parents, get your kids drunk, I know, then everybody will be popular, right, but uh, let me get in the article here, uh, there's not been much data to support that drinking among teenagers directly leads to higher popularity and more friendships, like I said, um, Peter Delaney, the director of the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, uh, Center for Behavioral Health Statistics and Qual... Jesus Christ! How many letters do you need here? Oh. Uh, Delaney was not part of the study team. Uh, the fact remains that underage drinking is linked to a long list of adverse health and behavioral consequences, including the deaths of thousands of adolescents and young adults each year. Well, yeah, but you know what? Thousands of adolescents and young adults die in car crashes each year, too. They also die from house fires. They die from rabid hippos. I don't know. Kind of throwing stuff out there. It just, it, it, people die from everything. You you can make a case for anything killing us. Kids are going to drink. There, there's no way around that. Kids are going to drink. Kids are going to smoke. Kids are going to smoke pot. It, you're not going to stop it. So, um, oh, <laughs> this, this in the article is actually kind of interesting. Uh, the data was analyzed from a national study of 7th through 12th graders from 130, 132 schools who were surveyed in 1994. Well, I wasn't fucking surveyed. I was drinking then. I graduated in 96. God damn it. 
unless I lied on it, who knows. Um, the survey included a variety of questions on drinking and substance abuse, number of friends, friends of friends, home life, and other factors. Oh, God, I can only imagine 14 or 15-year-old Kevin, yes, in his... Um, you know, goth get up and I, no matter how many times I tell you that one picture that was actually from Halloween one year, that does not excuse the fact that the nail polish did exist most other days of the year. But y- you guys love that picture too much. Anyway, I, I, I can only imagine me responding to that survey. You know, by the time I was 14, 15, I was smoking. I had smoked pot for the first time, I think by the time I was 15. I remember. It was in the backseat of a car at a coffee house at 12 Mile and Bunnert. I'm trying to remember what town that was in Michigan. Uh, might have been Warren, but I'm not sure. Um, weird, weird memories I have that that I just I vividly remember this stuff. The first time I smoked pot, I got absolutely nothing out of it. And then the second time, oh, the second time, that 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 started my long journey at the time. Um, and then, you know, I started, you know, drinking into you know, your, your standard, you know, punch kind of mixed drinks and, you know, vodka and blah, 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 blah. So I probably would have been a goldmine for this survey. Uh, teens who reported occasional drinking and getting drunk tended to have higher social connectedness than their abstaining peers this is interesting. That was especially true for white students. I don't... God damn it, Marianne posted the picture in the chat and I didn't even notice. <sighs> See, everybody loves that picture. And if you don't know what picture I'm talking about, you need to go to More Like Radio's Facebook page. It is undoubtedly on there somewhere, probably close to the top because everybody loves that picture. I don't mind. It's a rite of passage throwing ourselves under the bus on MLR. Um, getting drunk seemed to be more important for popularity than just drinking in general. Kids who drank at all reported having an extra, uh, at, wow, an extra half a friend on average. Wow, how do you have half a friend, midget? And those who got drunk reported one additional friend compared to non-drinkers. And I think that, that, that that's a peer pressure kind of thing. What are you, a pussy? Come on, drink, do a shot with me. Come on, come on, do it, pussy. And so on. Um, I like how they say the findings, quote, provide new evidence on the motivation behind adolescent drinking. <laughs> you know what the motivation behind adolescent drinking is? Our parents tell us not to drink. Drinking makes you feel better. Drinking helps you not be as awkward in social situations and what is more awkward a time in your life than when you're a goddamn teenager I, I, I could have told you all that without this study ask me to give you information for these studies I'll give it to you you don't, you don't need to do this whole 132 schools and all this data to provide new evidence on the motivation behind adolescent drinking it's Pretty fucking basic. Um, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Okay, yeah, this Delaney guy, the Substance Abuse Mental Health Services Administration, blah, blah, blah guy. There are many healthy behaviors, both athletic and academic, that increase teens' popularity among peers. Well, I'll agree with the athletic, yes. Academic, eh. 
I don't think you make a lot of friends always raising your hand in class and getting all A's and being the teacher's pet. It, that's a healthy behavior, not a healthy recipe for popularity. Sorry, that's just the way it is. And Mitch, come on. I, I, I lived in Michigan. I, I know the mile roads. I, I know eight mile. God damn it. My, my grandparents used to live like a few streets off of eight mile. I know the area. God damn it. In fact, I remember a couple of years ago when my parents took us around there and there was a, uh, well, nearby in my, uh, where my grandparents used to live, there was actually a, uh, memorial from uh, I guess a gang shooting it was a bunch of 40s and flowers and stuff on the corner it was really creepy and I wish I had had a smartphone at the time to take a picture of it like I said really really fucking creepy but that is not associated with this article here um they're talking about athletic here Two of the study's authors found in an earlier paper published in the Journal of Public Health that playing sports leads to more friends for overweight white boys. Well, yeah, playing sports, I'm, I'm gathering those overweight white boys are probably playing football and not basketball or soccer. And if you're playing football and you're actually playing and you're not just sitting on the bench, chances are you have some element of popularity I've had friends that I had friends in high school that and to be fair I I, I pray they're not listening because I don't don't want them to think that I think badly of them for this but I had one friend who was on the football team in high school he never got played He, he sat on the bench but he was on the football team wasn't popular but he was on the football team I had a friend I believe it was in middle school that he was part of the basketball team, but he was more or less the towel boy for the basketball team, but he really thought he was part of it. <sighs> Just, you know, it, it goes to show that kind of like being, being part of the team doesn't necessarily always work for popularity. You gotta, you gotta be on the team. You gotta play. So... Uh, we know that parental influence can help adolescents resist drinking, other forms of substance abuse. Teens need adult help to develop a healthy relationship with alcohol and to po- have positive social values, Joseph P. Allen said. I think that's actually something... I know I'm a fucking drunken mess most of the time, but I, th- I think that's actually something my parents kind of instilled in me. When I'd go to parties when I was like 17, 18, my mom always said, if you need me to pick you up for any reason because you can't drive, just give me a call, let me know. It was kind of saying, I know I can tell you not to drink. You're probably going to drink anyway. Just please do it responsibly. I think that's a healthy relationship. My relationship with it now probably isn't too healthy, but that's me. Um, And uh, I see in the chat, hi, hi also to Sherry. Instead of just Mitch, apparently Sherry's driving and she says hi, even though she doesn't really like me. And that, that hurts my feelings, Mitch. I can't believe your beard doesn't like me. Uh, let's see if there's anything else in this article. Um, 
Teens are just often trying to do what they see adults doing. Hard to convince them it's a terrible thing when they see both social and work-life events where alcohol plays a prominent role. The thing is, hard to convince them it's a terrible thing. It's not a terrible thing. I... This probably isn't a good thing, but... Well, okay. Yeah, so I guess it may, may be a terrible thing. I often feel better when I drink if I've had a really shitty day of work. I mean, I, like, you guys know that I, I run a lot. Often during the day when I'm stuck at work, you know, I'll, I'll run during my lunch break. And that's about the one time during the day that the fucking noise and the static and the, like, condescending, berating voices in my head actually die down for like an hour. The only other times, really, is um, when I've had enough drinks to completely shut them up. Might be a terrible thing. I don't know, but I see it as a positive for me right now. Um, but you look at the other studies. It, they say it's a, it's a social lubricant. And if you're social, it helps you live longer, so it can't be that terrible a thing. It's all about being responsible with it. Which means that me and Dutch and P-Rock, we're, we're all going to die within like 20 years anyway. But other people can be responsible and they'll be okay with it. I uh, can't remember if there were, I think there were comments on this article, but I'm curious. I don't think I looked at them at all. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. The problem with government isn't that it taxes too little, it's because it spends too much, especially on foolishness like this. Oh, okay, and this is a good comment too. And women who perform oral sex have more jewelry. How is this news? Uh, In other news, jocks and cheerleaders tend to be more popular. Hint, they also tend to be partygoers, like I said. Um... This guy, okay, and this guy coincidentally also named Kevin. I did not post this on here. Uh, uh, Teenagers who do better academically are more likely to go to college with a more challenging major and are more likely to finish college. Teenagers who have access to purchase alcohol, recreational drugs, electronic devices, and vehicles have enhanced their social lives than uh, over those who don't. Again, what I said, if you have access to it, you have access to a different level of social life and a different level of popularity that other people may not. Um, let's see. Teenagers who live sheltered lives don't get in any mischief and don't engage in risky behavior tend to go off the deep end when they do rebel after high school or in their early 20s. That's not surprising either. If you shelter them in high school, in college, uh, they're probably going to end up pregnant. Um, and this guy concludes it this information isn't from any study but rather my own observations of high school and former classmates since then most interestingly how many straight laced studious people end up selling or doing drugs in jail for theft assault drugs DUI and or dropping or kicked out of college because of pregnancy drugs and or bad grades I know a lot of people say you know, oh, well, the popular people in high school, I mean, you know, after high school, it's all different for them. And the sad thing is, from what I've seen, it's not. It kind of continues on. And the popular dicks continue to be popular dicks in adulthood. But I'm not going to get any more of that, because I'm I'm just, I'm just going to start spilling anger. (laughs) 
Marianne uh, w- regarding that one comment in the article. Says, that's a lie. I don't have shit for jewelry. <laughs> oh. Rob, come on, dude. <laughs> um, okay. You know, I think this this may actually, this may carry me until uh, the new releases of uh, beers and stuff. Uh, from NPR, turn that leftover liquor into a liqueur. This this happens to me too frequently for my liking. I'll buy a bottle of booze for some specific purpose. And then after said purpose is completed, I'm left with maybe three quarters of a bottle of booze that I'm not going to be regularly drinking. Of course, with all the methods in this article, I can instead have three quarters of a bottle of a liqueur that I'm not drinking. Ha ha ha. Uh, one one example of that is I believe I have amaretto in my fridge right now that I was using for god damn it I, and I was going to use it for one and I completely forgot um, uh, I was using for flaming Dr. Peppers which I need you know a, you know kind of a pseudo crappy beer then the amaretto and Bacardi 151 and the reason I said damn it I was going to do that is because I had those uh, Budweiser beers, the uh, Project 12 stuff, which were actually pretty decent, but I could have probably done it with the Pacific Lager. I have, like, just about a shot left of Bacardi 151, and then I'm left with all this amaretto, which is basically a liqueur in itself, which doesn't help me regarding this article, but it happens to me a lot. I mean, like, right now I have, you know, uh, maybe, like, half the bottle of absinthe here. I have most of a bottle of rum here. Um, trying to think of what else we got in the fridge. Uh, you know, we, we probably, we probably have like a bottle of pucker or something hiding in there. Uh, so I, I end up with that, but not, not to the, to the degree that some people do. And in the article, they're talking about how, um, well, I'll read it right from the article here. As the holiday season comes to an end, it's likely you have, Reminders left behind, pine needles on the floor, a pile of dishes, and with any luck, a few bottles of unfinished alcohol. Instead of leaving that booze untouched until the next raucous gathering, take a tip from the Europeans and make those leftovers into something spectacular. Liqueurs. God damn it, Dennis. See, Dennis has a whole folder of pictures of me, too. Flaming Dr. Pepper, you, Dennis. God damn it. And the only reason the only reason I even know about a flaming Dr. Pepper is because of Dutch. So if we are implying that I'm gay, it's because of Dutch and partially because of Hammy too. Because Hammy was there too, and Hammy drank the flaming Dr. Peppers as well. But they are actually pretty tasty if you've ever had one before. Um, and if nobody knows the recipe, take the regular crap beer. Put it in the glass, have a shot with, I think it's two parts amaretto, one part of the Bacardi 151. Light it on fire and make sure you pour the Bacardi 151 slowly so it sits on top of the amaretto. Light it on fire, let it kind of burn a little bit, it'll caramelize things. Drop it into the beer, the flame will extinguish, drink it, chug it down, it'll taste like a Dr. Pepper. Of course, Dennis says he implies nothing. Yeah, you won't think it's so funny when I'm sucking your cock at brain stew on Friday. That was completely clean, wasn't it? God damn it. My wife's going to be there with us. Oh, jeez. No. 
Yeah. Dennis says, Kevin's spending nights with Punchy in Florida. No need to imply nothing. <sighs> My wife's going to be there. T- and you know what the worst part of that is probably going to be? My wife is going to be snoring. Punchy's going to be snoring. I'm going to be fucked, dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm not getting any sleep down there. I'm going to have to drink myself into a stupor to pass out. Okay. So back to these liqueurs, if uh, Dennis is uh, done with accusing me of homosexuality. Um, so it's all about infusing flavors with everyday ingredients. Now, I questioned the identification of everyday ingredients in this article. One of them was leftover dried fruit, because everyone has leftover dried fruit, right? I, I don't normally have regular dried fruit, much less leftover dried fruit, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm weird like that. You chop it up, you let it soak in rum for a few days, add sugar, in a week, it's a fruit liqueur. So whichever dried fruit you want, boom. Uh, I wouldn't do that to the nice rum that I have here. I'd do that to a cheap rum. Uh, A large piece of ginger root that might be in your veggie drawer. Who the fuck are these weird people? Oh, Oh, what am I going to do with this ginger root? I would have no reason to buy the ginger root in the first place to even have it left over, but uh, I... I guess that's the kind of people that read NPR. Apparently I read NPR. I'm not the right demographic. Um, Slice it up, soak it in vodka, you have an instant ginger liqueur. And apparently you can pretty much do this with about any alcohol base, rum, brandy, bourbon, even wine, but the neutral spirits like vodka, those are the easiest ones to use. Obviously because you're not going to have a lot of native flavor imparting itself into the liqueur like i mean vodka what does vodka taste like vodka tastes like alcohol that's basically what you can say um in the article there were some recipes like a spiced hibiscus liqueur finicio and anise flavored liqueur uh, a berry citrus herb liqueur um all three of those they use vodka as the basis for the liqueurs god um I'm I'm suddenly discovering that like a, a new bad like horrible word for me to pronounce when I've been drinking is liqueur. Ugh. Um, God damn it. Dennis, I hate you. <laughs> and Marianne says she has ginger root in her freezer. Well, I know I know Dennis amateur statement vodka tastes very different one type from another. I I'm, I'm generalizing there. I mean, obviously, you know, you're cheap garbage vodka is going to have a very different taste and feel to you know one that's higher up on the scale. I mean your your 5 o'clock vodka is definitely not going to taste the same as your Smirnoff is not going to taste the same as your Grey Goose is not going to taste the same as your um Shiraz is vodka, right? Yeah. So, I I was generalizing. It's it's a neutral spirit though. It's not going to interfere as much with you know, consider like say a bourbon or a brandy that's gonna interfere a little bit more with the flavor so you want to make sure you pair it right but I, I get where you're going Dennis and I haven't forgotten Marianne that you have ginger root in your freezer I have no idea what I would do with ginger root but I, I think uh, Marianne might be a little bit more of a you know culinary master than I am I've, I've never had occasion to use ginger root or or ginger in general in my recipes 
I don't know, maybe I should endeavor to do that. Um, the hell was it? Oh, okay. There was also a toasted nut liqueur that sounded really good with a brandy and bourbon base. So, sometimes you can make those flavors work. An apple spiced rye with a whiskey base, a couple more with vodka bases, a uh, limoncello, uh, lemon liqueur, in case you couldn't guess that. Blood orange, quince, cranberry, and saffron liqueur with thyme. Because we all have saffron and quince hanging around in the house, the latter of which I actually had no idea what it was other than what the article said, to look for fresh quince from October to December in farmer's markets or ethnic groceries. Uh, Apparently, and from what I saw, I think they said you could use apple or pear in place of quince, so I'm assuming it's some kind of fruit. Oh, okay, Marianne keeps her ginger root for when she wants some ginger in her tea when she's sick. And she has saffron, too. I actually did have saffron at one point, too, and I have no idea what the hell I used it for. I used it for something. All I know is that saffron is insanely expensive for what amounts to, like, a few sprigs of it. I don't know if that's the right right terminology. Sprigs, strings, strands, strands, strands. That sounds about right. Um... I, 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 and honestly, like Dennis said in the chat, he said uh, he doesn't think he knows what saffron tastes or smells like. I have no idea either. So I don't even know what it would necessarily impart to a beverage or a food dish. Um, what the hell was it? There was, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of funny. It, this, this reminded me when I was listening to um, the last episode of uh, High Society Radio on here on more like radio i believe is on fridays at seven if i'm not incorrect and they were talking about doing a truffle vodka and how the flavors of truffle you just do a few little like slivers over a dish and it completely transforms the flavor profile of the dish i have a feeling saffron would be like that too but again i don't know what flavor the saffron imparts to it. Given that it's so expensive for so little, I'd have to think that you would not necessarily need a lot to really get that flavor going. But again, I have no idea. I've never, I've never had occasion to use it. Um, never had occasion to really purchase it. I know, again, I know I had saffron at one point. I don't know how I had it or why I had it. It may have come in some spice gift thing or something. Um, but yeah, out of that one, let's, the blood orange, yes. Quince, no. Cranberry, yes. Saffron, yes. Thyme, yes. Although I'm not a big fan of thyme. Um, yeah, Dennis in the chat, he says he's used it in cooking on a few occasions but couldn't describe it if, my, if his life depended on it. Yeah, all I could say is that they're like thin reddish strands that's all I, I couldn't tell you texture taste smell nothing but that I'll leave that for more accomplished chefs than myself um, and w- with these with these infuse infusions 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 for these liqueurs and everything I, I've said it with beer cocktails and the like the, these can tend to be projects for the most part they're probably out of my league when it comes to ingredients and the patience to actually do it right the limoncello seems easy enough but 
I never have leftover lemons in the house. If I have lemons, it's usually I have a lemon for a specific purpose. Uh, the toasted nut one sounds great, but I never have brandy or bourbon in the house. I'd probably be better off buying hazelnut liqueur just on its own. But if you have half full bottles of stuff here and there, this could give them a second life. Um, I mean, even like, you know, if, if you make yourself like that toasted nut one, that could be useful for pouring it into some coffee in the morning. I, I know I do that with the amaretto on occasion, um, particularly on the weekends because, well, I mean, during the week I go to Starbucks in the morning and uh, they kind of frown on it when you bring in your own bottle of amaretto and start pouring it into the, the pike coffee. Uh, Jesus, it's 7.50 already. See, see, I knew I could do it again. This is, uh, and I actually, I think, what is this, show number 51, I think? This is my 51st show. It's amazing. Um, so I'll get into the new releases and reveals. Uh, 21st Amendment, Sneak Attack Saison. See, Saisons are another one that, they seem to be hit or miss with me, that I, I, sometimes don't quite remember whether I like it or not, as weird as that sounds. Um, I know there have been some that I've liked, others that, eh. And I try to remember what elements of it I liked, but I'll post the image in the chat here from the can. I, I, I love the can art for 21st Amendment. They always do some good stuff. The best description I could give you of this, if you're not in the chat, it's Washington crossing the Delaware, but... Um, and he's wearing his cape, but he's uh, pretty much wearing a swimsuit, just swim trunks, completely you know, shirtless and everything. All the other guys are wearing oldie time swim trunks and stuff. It's a winter seasonal. It's a dry but not overly bitter Belgian-style spice saison. You don't see a lot of saison winter seasonals. Um, <laughs> Dennis in the chat, P-Rock usually doesn't remember either, though probably for very different reasons. <laughs> Well, yeah, he he gets completely, well, like I'm one to talk. He gets completely blackout drunk on shit beer. I get completely blackout drunk on shit beer, but it takes four pitchers to do it. So that has to give me at least some props there. Um, Sneak Attack is 6.2% alcohol by volume. 12 ounce cans available January through March in all 17 of 21st Amendment's distribution territories. Uh, this one is a, uh, I don't know how far outside of Jersey they distribute, but I know that they do distribute in Jersey. This is Flying Fish Exit 1 Bayshore Oyster Stout, like I mentioned uh, at one point in the show. I think when I was talking about that whale beer. Um, I haven't, I haven't tried an oyster stout, and this is one that I really do want to try. Um, they say it's only going to be in 12-ounce bottles and draft, so I'm hoping that they do it in 22-ounce bottles, too. But maybe I'll luck out. I'll see it and build a six-pack, too. Or yeah, just cave in and buy a six-pack. It can't be that bad. Um, it's brewed with 100 oysters per batch, and it's supposed to lend a creaminess to the brew. Uh, I guess I guess in a stout, a creaminess is an okay thing. See, I'm not trying to isolate weird things to say there. I'll post the image in the chat there of the label. A lot of the, well, pretty much all of the exit beers from Flying Fish have this kind of motif with it. It's it, like a brownish label. It has an exit sign in the middle. This one, exit one, Bayshore Oyster Stout, beer brewed with oysters. 
Um, let's see, releasing mid-January, so right about now. 12-ounce bottles and draft, 7.5% alcohol by volume. And then this is one that when I was talking about the IPA I was drinking, uh, this is one I had from Michigan. Bell's Hop Slam Returns. I will post the image of the six-pack of this in the chat. And to be honest, I didn't actually realize that this was as sought after as it was. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I actually did enjoy it and appreciate it when I had it and didn't just, you know, chug it down. Um, and I got that. I, I want to give credit where it's due. I got a bottle of it courtesy of my good friend Nicole from Michigan, now living in lovely Las Vegas, that lucky girl. <sighs> it's a very sought-after Imperial IPA brewed with honey. One of the few IPAs I've genuinely enjoyed. Of course, it would be a hard to get one. I don't get bells out here anyway. I have to go up to New York for that. It's already available in Bell's General Store in downtown Kalamazoo, Michigan, making its way to the rest of Bell's distribution regions this week and next. 12-ounce bottles and on draft, they're doing no mini kegs this year. In past years, they actually did release it in mini kegs. 10% alcohol by volume, so it's up there. It's an Imperial IPA, so it's kind of what you expect there. And then the last two I got here are from Heavy Seas. And I was actually, I was looking for one of the Heavy Seas beers. I was looking for um, Heavy Seas Loose Cannon IPA when I was out shopping for beers yesterday, but was unable to locate it, unfortunately. But maybe on another visit. So this one is Siren Noir. It's a bourbon barrel aged imperial stout with chocolate. It's brewed with almost three pounds of Belgian cocoa nibs per barrel. Along with a mix of dark malts, it's good for aging anywhere from six months to a year. 9.5% alcohol by volume available in 22-ounce bottles releasing soon. And speaking of that aging, that's one thing I want to really try and figure out this year too. Um, I'm almost positive that at some point on Reddit today, I saw that somebody had linked a site that referred to certain beers that are more specifically suited for aging, um, how long you should age them, and so on. I would like I, I'd like to do that, and you know, get a couple bottles. Of, you know, say like an imperial stout that's good for aging. Couple bottles, drink one. You know, kind of reflect on how it tasted, log it into the beer tasting list and everything, and then age it for six months. 12 months, you know, whatever is suggested for it, and then kind of see what the differences are. Um, so maybe that, I think that's something I'll probably try and get into this year too. For anybody that's thinking of aging an IPA, it's probably not a good idea unless you really want to cut down on the bitterness and the hoppiness, like I might want to. Um, because IPAs, for the most part, don't age well the bitterness, the sharpness of them really breaks down given time. I mean, if you let an IPA sit for, I'd, I'd say about a year, it, it's very, very mellow compared to what it would be if you were drinking it relatively fresh. I don't have experience with that personally, but I have read that repeatedly when it comes to IPAs. Uh, and then the last one here, also from Heavy Seas, this is Black Cannon. It's a variation of the one that I was looking for, Loose Cannon IPA. 
This is a black IPA with dark malts and a lot of hops. Black IPAs, I have a feeling I'd be more into because of the dark malts. This one's a seasonal release available January through March. 7.25% alcohol by volume and in 22 ounce bottles. And with that, that's uh, I'd say that's pretty much the end of the show here. Um, like I said, there may not be a new show next week. If I get to pre-record, cool. If not, next show will be the anniversary show. One year anniversary of Alcohol by Volume, during which I will be imbibing copious amounts of vodka for your amusement. <laughs> I'm talking about the black IPA. I, I, I gotta say it. Dennis says, is this IPA always late? And never pays child support. See, that reminds me of something I saw on Twitter today where someone said they slipped on black ice. And when they got up, uh, they found that their wallet was gone. And something about a child... I think another thing about a child support payment or something. Oh, no, it was uh, their wallet was gone. And they were pregnant. I believe that was it. I I fucked up the joke, but it was a Twitter joke, so who cares? Um, So, yeah, next week, maybe a new show. But it'll be pre-recorded. We'll see what happens. Because I gotta make money. It's it's a good gig for me. It's a good money gig. And I ain't passing that up. Sorry guys. I love you. But money's money. Um, so check out the ABV beer tasting list. For all your beer tasting list needs. Tinyurl.com slash ABV beer tasting. Check out what we're talking about in the Facebook group. Facebook.com slash group slash alcohol by volume. Be sure to like the Alcohol by Volume Facebook page, facebook.com slash MLR Alcohol by Volume. Tell your friends. If you have friends that enjoy beer, enjoy drinking, whatnot, tell them, tell them to listen to the show. Tell them to like the Facebook page. Who knows? They, they may actually like what they hear. I know I'm a fucking bumbling, stammering mess, but some of you seem to download this and enjoy it, so I don't know. Why, why, why not more of you? Uh, follow me on Twitter at E-D-I-C-I-U-S or the show Twitter at MLR underscore alcohol. Look me up on untapped alcohol by volume, all one word. Also, be sure to sign up on brewkeep.com. Let's grow that site there because I think those are good guys. Coming up next, Unsigned Hype with J5, followed by Dutch and Royce. I will see you guys.